Like All right, a, let's do this. Let's, unlike uh, let's a gambling this, uh, fitness, this which is fine, I think, as long as you're playing the right. Speaking game. speaking of, I uh, I bet the I bet the Suns today, and then like the line shifted so hard. The, the Suns opened as a two point favorite, and then it closed with the Golden State as a two and a half point favorite. So I thought for sure my money was trash, but third quarter they're uh, they got a decent lead going. So we'll see. We'll see if they piss it away in the fourth, but. You so really far. have an issue if you're betting on the NBA. I, I say this to the current host of this show. If you're betting on the NBA, you've got serious problems. This season especially, this early in the season, it's a real crapshoot. So, we'll see. Oh, boy. Yeah, we'll see. But Sit back, relax, and enjoy the warm sounds of the Beer Engine podcast with Griff and Tony. Griff, how are you doing today? I know you're gallivanting around the country, Chicago, and what's it like in Chicago at the moment? Because I hear you haven't actually returned. Feeling great. Beef sandwiches. Malort. Chicago dogs. Go Cubbies. <laughs> Go Cubbies. Can we talk about Malort? Has he <laughs> thrust Malort onto the taste buds of one Brian Malika? All right. So I have gotten a little bit of a tutorial about Malort. So the first time I went to Chicago, which was three years ago, for my, uh, we went for my wife's 35th birthday. Um, we, uh, that was the first time I had ever, I had never heard of Malort until I, you know, started hanging out with Griff and he explained to me that it was this like weird, like only Chicago cordial. Cause I, like, it didn't make sense. I'm like, what do you mean? It's only Chicago. Like it's, it's liquor, right? So they have to have it everywhere. No, he's not wrong. Like it's <laughs> just Chicago and every place in Chicago has it. So I, uh, you know, it had been built up and we, uh, we ended up going, we went out to dinner and then we, we hit up a bar and it was a bar, Bar Siena, which is owned by a dude that was on, um, Top Chef, uh, Fabio, I forgot his oh, last yeah, name. Yeah, I know who you mean. Yeah, Italian dude. But anyway, so he has this, you know, Italian bar and, and, and restaurant in, in Chicago. And I, I remember thinking to him, like, this is an Italian place, so they're not going to like they're not going to have Malort. And he looked at me. He's like, "No, every place has Malort." He's like, "It doesn't matter what it is. They're going to have it." And so we went and sat down. He ordered two shots of Malort, and uh, fucking a, uh, they had it. So uh, I made the mistake because I was so curious about it. I made the mistake of just doing a sip first, and <laughs> it uh, finishes very weird in the mouth. It finishes very chemically in the mouth. Well, so uh, I I did a shot of it. Uh, and then since then, I've probably had it maybe three or four times. He brought it over for Super Bowl last year. Last year, uh, I hosted a little Super Bowl party. He made uh, Italian beef in a crock pot. And so we did a shot of Malort. And then we also did a, uh, a shot that uh, it was half half beef juice, half Malort. That would have been that, uh, I was telling every – it actually made it way better. Um <laughs> And then, uh, anyway, from what I understand, and he's, I'm sure he's gone down Malort rabbit holes on this show, so I'm not going to, like, bore everybody with it. But I guess it's been bought by, like, another company, and now they've, yep. like, 
fiddled with it, and now it's uh, and I've had the new Malort, and it is better. It tastes a little more citrusy. It's still bitter as all hell, but it's a little more citrusy, slightly more drinkable. Uh, but it's it's weird. Now the question is, has he managed to get some to you yet? Not yet. So I may have to take a trip to America to make that happen. But the one descriptor I've heard over and over again, and I want to see if you can confirm this, it tastes like bug spray. So his wife is real big on the bug spray kick. Like she, (laughs) that's all she kept saying before I'd ever tried it. She's like, it tastes like bug spray. And once you get that in your head and then you take a sip, I'm not going to lie. She's not wrong. You can definitely like it's so it's it's very aggressively bitter, um, but unlike something like maybe Campari, where you know there's also a refreshing quality, it doesn't really have that. So it starts bitter and then it leaves a weird aftertaste. Uh, I don't really know why it's a thing, but uh, you know, listen, I'm uh, I'm not from the region. Uh, I. Uh, I Clearly, it means something to those people. So I'm just going to let them have it. Yeah. But every region has its own thing, like whether it be a nation that has its own thing. We often used to talk about Australia and the things that that it has its, its own, dim sims, meat pies, chico rolls, stuff like that. What about sure. in the areas that you've lived? Okay, forget about New York. We all know about New York shit. Um, but in Vegas and... Um, in Arizona, like what were the local food items that were indigenous to those areas? I suppose Vegas may be sort of a unique thing because it's so full of um, transient people. Transplants, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, definitely more so in uh, in in Tucson. It definitely had a lot more uh, Mexican influence. So there's a, a strong Mexican influence and there's a, yep. a little bit also of like a, an Arizona, Mexico mix, right? So unlike Tex-Mex, which is its own thing and pretty terrible, <laughs> uh, there's sort of an Arizona, Mexico mix, which is slightly more true to Mexico, but does have a little bit of an American flair. So the thing that kind of became the staple food, um, of uh, of of Tucson, if if there was like a thing that you could, you know, point to as like this is our Philly cheesesteak or whatever. Yeah, it's the Sonoran chili. dog. What's that? Yeah, Sonoran dog. It's the Sonoran dog. Yeah. So if if you're not familiar, it's yeah, hot dog. It's wrapped in bacon on a bun, and then it's got like pinto beans, and then it's usually got like a little bit of like a crema or something on top yep. of it. And so that when I was a kid, it, it wasn't a thing. But then like uh, as I uh, got older, like into, into teens and uh, early 20s, it kind of caught fire. And now it is, you know, it's one of those places where there's like 30 Sonoran dog, whatever, <laughs> fucking restaurants around town. But so that's like the one sort of unique Tucson, Arizona, um, you know, item that I could think of. But we didn't have like our own weird liquor that <laughs> only people there drank. Well, Chicago's got so much of, like, local to them identity food or or malort. True. You've got deep deep dish pizza, which um, you see everywhere, but Chicago is its home. You've got tavern-style pizza. Um, you've got the Italian beef, uh, Chicago dog. Dogs. The Chicago dog. Yeah. The and they have, corn. like, three other different kinds. Like three other kinds of sausages too. Like there's the yeah. Chicago dog, but they also got like that Maxwell Polish dog. Like they've got your your exact more so than probably any other place that I could think of. 
at Chicago's got like their yeah they've got their own kind of like real yeah. regional food but even New York like the regional food of New York is all like immigrant food right so yeah. like New York pizza um you know but that's New York's thing. got their own hot dogs yeah I mean it, it that's true it, it's a, it's sort of a version yeah um but, but yeah, like most of the things that you associate with it are definitely sort of immigrant food. And I guess you could say the same thing for uh, for Chicago, but they're so like, it, they're so far from like the immigrant roots, if you like, in yep. Chicago, that, that they are sort of uniquely American and uniquely Midwest. But I don't know, man, it's, uh, it, it's, but the other thing is it's all pretty good, you know, like, yep. I'm not a big I'm not a big deep dish guy but that's also it's not that it tastes bad right like it still tastes good yeah it's just like all right if I'm gonna have a pizza I don't want it to be out of a fucking bread bowl <laughs> but uh I have had like you know he's uh since he's lived here he's ordered a few like Lou Malnati you know pizzas and actually pretty good I mean I can't I can't hate on him no but that is like it's something you show off to say, yes, you're from Chicago, but do most Chicagoans Chicagoans eat it on a regular basis? Like if you can't talk, imagine if you talk to Griff, he always talks that that isn't the thing that he orders when he goes out to eat pizza. It is more the tavern right. style thin crust, thin and thin crust, yeah, thing that that um, he orders more often, and once a year he'll order deep dish. So. It, it's interesting in that regard. Now, you speak about immigrant food, but you, is Tucson food really immigrant food or just like because the border changed food? And it's the same with areas of Texas and, and Tex-Mex cuisine. Isn't that indigenous to the area more than an actual immigrants coming in? A million. First of all, yeah, Tucson, Arizona was Mexico longer than it was Arizona yeah. for sure. So, yeah, it's just we just moved the border <laughs> down, <laughs> but it's all yeah. You're right. This it, it is very much indigenous to that area more so than anything else uh, for sure. Now we've 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 got to talk. Seeing we talked about it on the last show, uh, Dave Chappelle made an appearance oh, on yeah. SNL. What are yeah. your thoughts, good sir? Well, so I don't know. Here's here's my here's my take on it. First of all, frust and this is the same thing I said last time. The frustrating thing about him is he's so fucking good at what he does. Yep. So if you just take it strictly on like a joke standpoint, God, the jokes are fucking good. You know what I mean? Like he's he's so skilled at crafting a joke. Here was my only real problem with it. I have an issue, and this is across the board with comics. It's just a pet peeve of mine, where they point they point out like uh, either discrimination, racism, misogyny as being a bad thing, and then they make a bunch of jokes about it. You know yep. what I mean? So it's you know like uh, I've seen a million comics do this. Uh, you know about you know race so they'll they'll like point out like racism so you know that's such bullshit uh, i can't imagine anybody would be racist i mean listen we're all the same and then they'll start making a bunch of black jokes on yeah. the heels of that and i kind of feel like that's what Chappelle did he wanted it both ways he really did. so you know he wants to he wants to call out kanye and Kyrie or whatever you know, for, for being anti-Semitic and that not being cool. But then he also made jokes about Jews. Yeah. So I'm like, you know, 
fucking if you're gonna if, listen, you wanna you wanna do it. You're Dave Chappelle. You wanna do what you do. Like dig your heels in and make some uncomfortable jokes and see what happens. But don't you know? I don't like the straddling the line. You know yeah. what I mean? Like oh, I agree with it, that. It's not. It, yeah, you're not. You're not. You're not saying what they said is fucked up, and then making fun of them. It's what they said is fucked up. Now I'm gonna make fun of the things that they. You know. <laughs> the same people they were making fun of. So it's it's just I, I didn't like that part of it. Now, my bigger question to you, it's not an issue, but it is a genuine question. Does this go more to the heart that SNL this season is struggling for ratings so they had to get Chappelle on to get them in the news or is it just that booked him and because they knew where he stood in the current landscape and, and what he was going to do. You're right. He, he's powerful enough where he can dig his heels in and do whatever he wants. But I haven't been catching up with SNL. I don't know what this season's been like. I don't know what their past five seasons have been like, but you're a guy that would occasionally watch SNL and you certainly know what it is from a comedic point of view. Um, is that the reason why he was on? I mean, I, I, I think that they've been, so I think he's been on consistently the last three-ish years. Well, I remember the, the first time I really remember, like, wow, they had him on was right after Trump got elected. And then I think they had him on the following year. And then I think he was off for a little bit, and then he, he was back after, you know, the first year uh, after Biden got elected, and they brought him back this year. So whether or not they're doing it just for ratings, I don't, like, I don't know. But I will say that by far he was the most relevant host they've had this season. And again, I, I, you know, listen, all these people are more famous than me. But yeah, Megan not- the Stallion was was the host, not the musical guest. She yep. was the host. Jack Harlow was Who? the host, Who not was the Jack musical Harlow? guest. But he's uh, he so he's like a popular white uh, rapper slash. Uh artist right now he um but you're you're making the point right like if you brought him on as a i don't i don't know a lot about new music so i don't know most of the musical guests but if you had him on as a musical guest or megan the stallion on as a musical guest i get it because they are current relevant music artists but to bring them both on as hosts like i don't know that they're they should be hosting snl you know what i mean uh and jack harlow was such a like a mess that Tom Hanks was on it and was in like three sketches <laughs> because they're like, well, no one like Jack Harlow can't fucking carry an SNL. Yeah. Like, so it's, I, I, I do think that, that they're maybe struggling a little bit as far as, you know, getting people that are, that are relevant and, and, and good on. And, uh, that, that might have something to do with it. Like it definitely feels like even with Chappelle being sort of controversial right now, it definitely still felt like Chappelle was the one doing them a favor. Yeah. Yep. It, it does. He, he was doing them a solid because he's got his foot in other platforms, things like Netflix and he's, he's got his own controversies that he, he builds up for better or worse. Because I was, I was thinking the other day, how many people are actually watching SNL one way or another, because I only see things through clips. I don't watch Colbert right. or any of the Tonight shows, but I, I watch them on YouTube. I don't see SNL having a huge presence in that space. I get Trevor Noah through TikTok of all places. Um, he, yeah. he, he, he broadcasts his ad breaks. 
when he talks to the crowd, which is some of the best stuff that doesn't actually make oh, that's it. That's actually that's a good idea. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't make it on TV. It can sometimes be um, really sort of comedic, and other times it can be really quite tense with what he's sort of bringing up, and it makes for interesting content. But SNL being a skit show, the only times I hear about them is when they either misread a situation or a skit is truly awful these days. I don't ever hear, oh, you've got to check out this clip, which you did hear at the start of the Trump administration, but I, I can't remember anything <clears> in the past <throat> three to four years outside of that first year of Trump where you you had to go out and search SNL. No, you're, you're, you're a million percent right. And it's uh, I think they're kind of struggling right now. And it's also kind of an interesting situation. I, I think it just had some really big hitters leave. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, uh, you know, so, you know, Kate McKinnon, obviously, A.D. Bryant, uh, Pete Davidson, who, Huge one thing I'll dick. say, in, yes, yeah, dick. I mean, God bless him. Yeah. Hi. But uh, I would love, you know, it's funny, so I, I heard an interview with him uh, where he talked about uh, when, uh, what's her name, uh, Ariana Grande, you know, said that he had this big dick energy and he uh, he flat out said like that's the nicest. He's like it seems like it was the nicest thing that anyone's ever done. Like she just put it out there that I had this big dick. He's like, but the reality is, like it's it's just kind of it's like it's fine. <laughs> like, but when you have this like this like you know rumor out there that you uh, that you have this giant dick, the only thing it's going to do is disappoint women when they see it. Yeah. Like even if it's just like a like a fine dick. Like if the whole world thinks it's this this giant python, uh, then like it the, the only thing no one if you have a rumor of this huge dick, unless it's even bigger than that, <laughs> like no one's going to be like the only real response you could get is that's pretty good. You know what's what's a an interesting like example of that would be uh, when I was doing TAI with. Uh, Two other pretty hefty gentlemen, uh, as uh, as my sort of well, three counting yourself, yes, as uh, as sort of regular uh, co-hosts, you know, whatever. I would I would talk a lot about being a fat guy, and then people would come out and meet me, and they're like, "Oh, you're actually not not as fat as I thought you were, you were going to be." Like that was their compliment. <laughs> as, oh, I thought you were going to be so much fatter by the way you talk about it, and I feel like that's what Pete's dealing with, but obviously in a much more positive way. Yeah, yep. It would be a nice problem to have. Let's put it that way. Right. If you had to like right. temper expectations rather than No one no one has no one has ever loved me enough to start a rumor like that. Like no. God, I mean God forbid. You know, listen, I was divorced. Let me tell you what my ex-wife didn't do. Go to a media outlet and tell everybody I had a big <laughs> dick. That'd have been great. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, We've had some a big couple of weeks in America. We we delve into it here on this show occasionally. Thoughts on the yeah. midterms briefly and Trump running again. Just like from a comedian's point of view, are you? <laughs> is there anything left to mine with Trump at this point? Because everything seems to be mined out. And is there anything left with the Republican Party if if you still are slightly? Left of center. 
I mean, here's, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm certainly still, you know, left, you know, I, I consider myself more like a, uh, I, I guess I'd probably consider myself more like an old school Democrat, you know what I mean? As I mean, I, I believe more in most Joe Manchin type. A little, a little further <laughs> left than Joe. Uh, I, I, we could, we could probably shut down coal mines and that'd be fine. But, uh. But yeah, but not, maybe not not quite as as far as as you know, sort of the more ultra progressive. But you know, still still very solid on on the left hand side of things. But so as far as Trump, like no, you're 100 percent right. We did it. Like there's and and here's, I think people are just kind of done with it. You know what I mean? Like even now, you know, he just announced that he's running again. It's not the fucking circus that it used to be. I just I I think people are burned out. And they're burned out not only on him as a guy, but like this wake that he left. Yeah. Of just fucking insane people that feel like they have to just throw out whatever insane idea they have. Like that that wake of what the Republican Party became for for a few years and still, you know, is to some extent now, although less so, I think. Um, it's uh, yeah, it's just fatiguing. Like it's not even that interesting anymore. Like who needs Trump when you got a fucking Marjorie Taylor Greene? You know what I mean? Yeah. He's not—he's not this crazy renegade anymore, right? He's just like, uh, yeah, he's just the the ringleader of this of this circus. But you know, I think that the fact that most of the candidates that he um, endorsed lost yep. uh, is helpful. Um, and uh, here's here's the thing that I don't I don't get and. I don't think he cares, right? He just wants the controversy. But I guess the the real Trump fans, uh, and you still see them, uh, you know, all over social media, you know, talking about rigged elections and stuff. Uh, my my whole idea is, well, you know that all liberals hate him, right? So that's that's yes. a given. He knows it. The world knows it. We also know that there's a segment of Republicans that hate him because he shits all over. Yeah, you know, a lot of like very long-standing loyal Republicans, right? So you're the McCain's, Bush's, Pence, Romney, McConnell. Now, I happen to hate all those guys too, so it's great. We're on the same page there. But if you know all liberals hate you, and then all the people that have been supporting those candidates for years and you're shitting all over them, they don't like you. How is it that you think that you're going to run away with elections? Like, how is it... It, these people that love him can't wrap their head around how he lost, and I'm like, you can't. It's pretty easy. It's just basic counting, but I guess counting's not that important to those sorts of folks. No, well, you look at the cognitive distance they've got going on in their brain. They're, they're talking about getting out and voting in the election and how important it is. Yet they're talking about rigged elections. So why is it then important right. to even go out and vote? See, that's a well, huge it's so funny because. And exactly, and and the more you like in, in the wake of the uh, of the elections, the more you saw like right wing fundamentalist folks, you know, commenting what they don't want is voting. Right? I saw people say, you know, no more mail in voting, and uh, you know, if if you don't have uh, if all your votes aren't counted by election night, then uh, they shouldn't count. And uh, let's let's raise the voting age to twenty one. Like they're just like, how can we get less votes in? Yeah. So if that's your strategy, if your strategy is we need less votes, then you're probably not doing great. 
But no, you say that, but this has been an effective strategy since 2000. When you look at, at Bush and Florida that's, and that's, what, what, that's they, true. what they do around prisoners and, and people that have been jailed and then released, that is all about suppressing a portion of the vote that doesn't go for them in big numbers. It's not that they don't go right. for them at all because everyone, every sector has an outlier and there are portions that, that, that do vote Republican. And it's it's something that has been successful for them. And that's why they continue to push this vote mitigation strategy because it is successful and it's successful in the right places and it's an, it enables them to gerrymander. So, yeah, it, I just thought I'd get your point of view, at, at least what is left to say on a um, sort of... Uh, on a, I, I Not so much say, entertainment, will... but what sort of commentary can we have that that we haven't already had with Trump. And do we get exactly. anything new with DeSantis if he's going to be the fun opposition to run against him? They're both awful people, by the way. They're but- both awful. And and here's the, I mean, and this is the other thing, like you also get a pretty good sense of where the Republican Party is going at the fact that they did not get control of the Senate. Like that's, first of all, that's almost unheard of. It almost always goes, the midterms always all, almost always go to the opposition party of the president. That's very yeah. common. On top of that, like, you know, Joe Biden's not killing it. No. Um, you know what I mean? Like he's, he's, he's not, he's not doing great. Uh, and the, you know, the economy worldwide economy is not doing well, but you know, most people in America don't know anything about the world. So they just know that gas here is expensive and shit here is expensive. And, you know, Housing inflation. prices are dry. So the economy, yeah, inflation's crazy. So, um, you know, the economy's not doing well. Joe Biden's kind of like this weird uh, marionette uh, person. Uh, and um, still, even with all of that, uh, they still kept control of the Senate. That's, uh, that's, that's nuts. It really um, is. So, yeah, I think, I think that tells you kind of where the Republican Party is right now, that they couldn't, they couldn't pull that off in, you know... <laughs> In uh, at a time where things are not going great in this country, they still couldn't pull off getting control of the Senate in the midterms. That's pretty bad. Yeah, it is. But outside of politics, what's been keeping your attention? Outside, well, I say outside of politics. What about outside of sport and outside of masturbation? Are you watching anything oh. on any of the streaming services? Okay, that's a good question. Um, I, I I make. First of all, when it comes to streaming services, it's it's gotten a little out of hand. <laughs> like there's shit that I would I would watch, but at some point you got to draw the line. Like yeah, I'd be interested in watching Ted Lasso, but I'm not going to fucking get whatever Ted Lasso's on. I'm not going to get Paramount Plus to watch anything. I'm not going to get Peacock. Like at some point you just got to be like these are my things. So I got, you know, I got Amazon Prime, I got Hulu, I got Netflix. Uh, I got HBO Max. Those are my. Those are my four. I got Disney hey, Plus because I got kids. I was going so to that's say. It. Are you you yeah. going to tell me you don't have Disney Plus? I, I do have Disney Plus. That one, yes. So that's true. But yeah, so that's it. That's that's the big five. And uh, you know, and I try and catch. You know, if there's something that gets a little bit of heat on any of that, I try to catch it. But like, you have to. You have to pick your battles. With the streaming services, you cannot have all of them. It's just, it's too fucking crazy. Yep, that is that is true. So, 
pick one of those services and give me something that you're watching, whether it be really tacky, because we know Griff loves tacky dating shows, or whether it's something mm. really interesting like Yellowstone, which is a phenomenal show. I have not seen it because it's on, on something I don't know. I don't know what it is, where it, where it is. Uh, I, um, I, so I've been watching, you know what I just finished today? It was only a four-parter, uh, but uh, Inside Man on, uh, on Netflix. It's a British show, although it does have Stanley Tucci in it. Okay. Um, speaking of, uh, it, it's pretty good. It's kind of like a, you know, whatever, like a mystery kind of thriller sort of a deal. Um, speaking of Stanley Tucci, another thing that I like to watch is, uh, is Stanley Tucci, uh, uh, his, his travel food show on CNN. Have you seen it? No, uh, I have not. Touring Italy or something like that. It's just the whole concept of the show is in its second season is he wants to go to each of like the different, um, uh, regions, regions. Thank you, uh, of of Italy, and like whatever. Talk about like their whatever they're famous for, and, and you know yep. their food, their their drinks. It, it's it's really good. He does a good job. He's he's not you know Bourdain. It, it's a lot more accessible, um, but it's still it's still really it's still really good. But what I love about it, and this is coming from a guy you know who has you know, Italian relatives. It is really just shows you what colossal pains in the ass Italians are <laughs> when it comes to food. Like, I mean, it's, it's insane. I remember he was in, uh, he was in Rome. And so they're making, um, carbonara, right? Pasta carbonara. Yep. And, uh, and so he's in there, he's with the chef and the chef's like putting in, and of course there's only like a handful of ingredients and the chef is putting in, uh, guanciale, which if you don't yes. know, it's like a cured pork uh, jowl, like uh, it's from a from a pig's face. Uh, and so, like a throwaway line, you know, uh, Stanley Tucci's like, yeah, yeah, no. And a lot of times, you know, if you can't find this, you can just use pancetta. Yeah. And the chef looks at him like he's <laughs> like, and if you can't find, you know, guanciale, take a shit in a bowl. Like that's what the chef heard. They're almost the same thing. It's just two different parts of the pig cured essentially the same way. But the thought that you would put pancetta in this carbonara <laughs> made this chef almost kick Stanley Tucci the fuck out of the kitchen. And that is essentially what Italian food is. It's just people taking shit way too seriously. And it's it's great to watch. Okay. Well, on that, let's take an Italian food and let's make it the most American thing we can in the world. You know, I'm I'm here for pizza right now. It's my new thing. I'm freezing dough sure. today, so I've got dough ready to go Yo at boy. any point. But yeah. you were talking that you have a Disney Plus subscription. Okay. I've got to get you to look this up because you love a tacky food cooking show. I know this about you. I do. And this I do. Is, this is a tacky food cooking show. It's called Best in Dough. And it's a <laughs> okay. pizza-themed tacky cooking show. Okay. And I'm here for uh, it right now. It is my thing. It is awful. This is not good TV. This is an awful cooking show. But I I'm love I'm going to say, it. like, are they, taking it, are they taking it seriously or are they just, like, fucking around? It's, it's not fucking around like um, Nailed It, but, like, one of the first themed episodes was Grandma's Cooking Pizza and... So there were three contestants and they were all grandmothers. 
one fucked it up because she was so old. She just fucked up the last <laughs> recipe completely and it was a piece of shit. And so I was here for that. The other two were competent. Not superstar okay. cooks, not, not um, award-winning cooks by any measure, but there's enough disasters to keep you interested, but there's enough competent cooking to go, hmm, interesting idea, competent dish. Yes, I would eat that. I'm, I'm okay. here for that. And there's also because you mentioned, I, I have to, I have to say real quick before you say, because you mentioned nailed it. My, uh, I, I'm, I'm, I haven't watched like the like the last two seasons of it. Although I do enjoy that show, but my favorite thing that has ever happened on that season one or two there was a guy. They're they're given the recipe of how to make <laughs> yes. these cakes. One guy was just winging it, and he essentially put he didn't put any flour in. In his batter, <laughs> he just put the we just put the wet ingredients, and then he put that in a sheet pan, and he put it, so he essentially made like an like a weird omelet, like a weird sweet omelet, and he just baked it off. That was that's been my favorite uh, nailed it person uh, by far. But anyway, I'm sorry. What, what are you saying? Go ahead. I was just going to suggest another show that I thought might interest you, knowing your tastes. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it's hosted by Tone Bell. It's on Netflix. Uh, oh, yes. I watched this. I was slightly upset that I didn't get tapped for this show. Because <laughs> um, you and Tone Bell. Feel, right me and Tone right. Bell, we're, uh, he, he's, he's uh, slightly more handsome and uh, talented than me, but I feel like maybe I like to drink a little bit more than him. So you're talking about the Cocktail Masters show? That is correct. Yeah. Uh, I enjoyed that show, although... If Here you, we go. It, when yes, this is going back to I, I do go back to my anti hipster roots sometimes. Like I said, I'm <laughs> anti hipster, but I like everything hipsters do. Uh, it's it's so it, like I just was looking at some of the shit they made, and I'm like, well, what would that cost? Forty five dollars? If I <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, how expensive is this goddamn cocktail? It's it. If you have an hour to make a cocktail, what are you doing? Yeah, I, I, I don't – don't get me wrong, I think you're spot on the mark, but how is this different to most other cooking shows? You look at competition That's barbecue. True. Is anybody eating barbecue like that in their backyard or are you getting that at a barbecue place? No. Right. It, it's, it's true. You're right. They're buying Wagyu and they, they're cutting a sliver of it to, to present to judges that that give them a certificate. It, bartending competitions are exactly that – and it's not even about putting together, a, this is what I worked out, a competent drink that you can taste the whole thing and think, that's an amazing drink, I'm going to order another one. What these bartending competitions are about is giving you enough for a tiny mouthful because you look at the judges and how much they drink of a winning drink. They're right. It's a tiny amount. Well, what it are they going to do? They're, you know, There's 10 contestants. What are you going to crush 10 cocktails in, uh, in a 15-minute in a span? Like, that's ridiculous. You got to basically take a sip off the top and then move on. Uh, but it was it was interesting. And as a guy who, you know, likes cocktails and, you know, it, I like making drinks on some level. I'm not, uh, I'm not looking to, you know, spend a weekend on, on one. But uh, it was, it was kind of cool. It, it, was, uh, it was interesting to see how some of those people um, you know, think think about alcohol. That was that was impressive. My my favorite guy there was in the, again in the first episode, the guy that put dry ice. Yes, 
<laughs> put a cube of dry ice in his in his thing, and like the the judge was like, you know, uh, if a piece of this dry ice breaks off and goes in my throat, I die, right? He's like, no, 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 you'll be fine. And I'm like, what? <laughs> Are you what? How do you know? Uh, so and they're like, we're not going to try it. Like, yeah, probably fine. But if it's not fine, it's death. So we're not going to try your weird drink. Uh, that was my favorite guy there. Yes. And he was, he was, I was about to say Vegas native, probably not a fair statement, but he bartends in Las Vegas. I don't know whether you looked at his bio. Did, yeah. Yeah, the lower third, but yeah, Vegas uh, bartender. So that would have made you proud. You probably have never been to one of his bars because I'm guessing his cocktails would be, what, $50 and up wherever he bartends? Well, it's all I could think of was like, I've been to a few cocktail bars, like, if you know, if the owner of the bar didn't know as much as this judge, like, does are they letting this fucking knucklehead put a chunk of dry ice in a drink? Like, has he has he almost killed anybody? Like, this is crazy because he did it with such confidence. Like, he's like, yeah, I don't know, it's totally fine. Like, oh <laughs> shit, this is a guy that's done this and made somebody drink it before. Yep, you just wonder why he's in Las Vegas in the first place. Has he had to flee other locations because of the shit he's Probably. made other people drink and charged money for? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Vegas does have a knack of uh, attracting fucking renegades that uh, that can't uh, can't make it somewhere else. That is very true. Somebody just doing a weird, somebody doing a weird thing with confidence. You hit that button and then you immediately started like dancing. And I'm like, what are we doing? It's a banger. Come on. All right. It is a dead set banger. We are doing beer of the week. In your case, drink of the week. And in, in your case, seeing last time you just gave me straight bourbon. What is your second best drink that you've had over the past 12 months? Perhaps. Mm, okay. Okay. I can tell you this. Uh, so one of, uh, one of sort of the best, uh, uh, restaurants, um, out here in Las Vegas, uh, there's, there's a few of them that are really, really good, but we went to this restaurant called, uh, other mama and it's, uh, it's really tasty. The food's all really good and it, it's, you know, it's seafood heavy and, you know, there's a lot of sort of sushi, sashimi, crudo kind of dishes, but, it had some of the best cocktails I've had. I had I had two different cocktails, and they were both probably the best cocktails that I'd had. One was kind of a uh, a riff of, uh, on an old fashioned, but it had a, like togarashi on it. Um, but I they had a uh, it was kind of like a it was sort of a vodka martini, but it was horseradish infused vodka, and then they had a little bit of like lemon to balance that out, and then. Uh, a little bit of honey. So it had, you know, it hit all of them. Like they talk all about balance in cocktails. This was the most unbelievably perfectly balanced cocktail I've ever had in my life. It was like spicy and sweet and sour. And it was just, it was remarkable. It was, it was one of the best things I've, I've ever had to drink. I even, uh, I even tried to like, you know, do a ghetto version of it, like replicate it. I bought, you know, I have this, uh, uh, this like alcohol infuser. I, I you know got ho- fresh horseradish and I tried to infuse vodka. It uh, it not even close. Like it didn't taste anything <laughs> like it. So I don't know what the fuck they're doing. 
But uh, man, they did it right. That was that was incredible. Okay, so I've got two beers. That's what you mentioned. Sounds delicious. Sounds expensive though. But the, <laughs> these beers were expensive as well. So I suppose I I shouldn't be judging. But I've got two. And I'll get you to play a mini game. I'll play the theme after I've gone through and named them. Uh, and then I'll explain the game to you as best I can. Uh, okay. okay. First beer is the Artist Series, the Island Strawberry and Watermelon Sour. Now, you probably okay. had a sour beer. Griff has probably. Yeah, I've, I've had one. I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm not a fan. Okay. Uh, but uh, I, I have had them, yes. Yeah. So this was a strawberry and watermelon sour. Came in at 8% alcohol. Absolutely delicious. Okay. Now, the other beer was a New England style IPA. Are you familiar with that style of beer? I mean, I've had an IPA for sure. I don't know if there's something uh, specific about the way New England does it. There is. If it's anything like their, like their clam chowder. Is it creamy? Yes. You nailed oh my it. God. I know you were joking, but... <laughs> But it was. That's great. <laughs> these are these are thick boys. These are cloudy boys, deliberately cloudy. Um, so not your crystal clear beer. Uh, this one, um, I think, came in at 11%. Had a really not long name. I'll take you through the whole thing. Jeffrey. The name of the beer is Jeffrey? <laughs> yes. All right. I can tell you right now I'm going to fucking hate this beer. Like, this is exactly what I'm talking about. About this is a real, this is a real fucking pain in the ass. The person who made this beer is a real fucking douche. Now I will say, not all the beers are called after people, and they do great beer. It's a, a brewery called Mountain Mountain Culture Beer Company, and uh, they're in Katoomba in Australia, and it was delicious. So I'm going to now play you another theme song. I just do this, by the way, to make you mad. You do realise Sure, this. go ahead. Oh, I love, I love a high production value. Let's go for and it. And you're going to get some live singing. So, hey, you oh win boy. all the way around. Let's go. And we're sending our love down the way. I do love this song. Untrapped is where you have to guess the rating on a beer rating website from all the people that have rated it. All right. So I'll give okay. you a couple of details about the beer and then you've got to take a guess. So we'll start off with the Artist Series Island Strawberry and Watermelon Sour. It is okay. from Ocean Reach Brewing. It is a fruited sour. It is 8% alcohol and we've had 35 check-ins. And they say, adventure awaits. Dive into this imperial sour drenched with strawberries and watermelon. Puckering at the start, but soon you'll be hooked. This is no quick dip. You'll want to stay here a little longer and ride the crispy, juicy waves of this tart ale. (laughs) Stop it. The crispy, juicy waves? Come on. All right. So what's the rating out of five? The rating's out of five. We've had 35 people check it in. All right, I feel like this is going to be high. I feel like people, if you're a beer person, all the words that you use to describe it 
uh, seem like they're very big in the beer community. So I'm going to say four point. Now, but b- before you finish, you have to be within a tenth to get the, either side. No prices right rules here. Just within a tenth. Okay, I, I will stick with four point eight. Way high. It is four point zero two. Four, oh, wow. 4.8 is basically unheard of in the beer word world because beer people are snobs. And are they assholes, like right, sure. I, I didn't take that into consideration. It's yeah. not like when we did that weird, uh, you know, Thanksgiving sides episode that one time where someone's like, oh, I poured a can of soup on a banana. Five stars. We uh, actually... Is, uh, we these actually, are people that are, are assholes about things. Yeah. Now, we actually use those those ratings on recipes in this game, believe it or not, when it comes to seasonal things like Thanksgiving stuffing or Thanksgiving I time. know. I was I, I, I was on one of those episodes. That's how I know. I'm not just uh, clairvoyant. I remember. I remember uh, somebody's sweet potato casserole, which was like nine different kinds of sugar on top of a yam. Uh <laughs> Yes. But anyway, all right. Give me, give me the other one. Give me some uh, description of the uh, of Jeffrey. <laughs> okay, Jeffrey. There are one thousand check-ins. It comes in at eleven percent. It is actually a collaboration beer with uh, about ten other breweries. Um, this is a long ass blurb. I might not read it all. Um, we asked our brewers attending our Rausch Beer Festival to participate in our biggest collaboration brew. Um, we split the recipe into 11 elements, including water profile, yeast, dry hops, and even wild cards, and allowed the breweries to flip the brew on its head. The result is one beer, somewhat a Frankenstein ale, with some oat chips, rye malt, Get out of here. and plenty of Galaxy, Rewaka, Warrior, Citra, and some hop I haven't heard of and other stuff that is unidentifiable. And that's why we called it Jeffrey, because who could be scared of a Jeffrey? Jeffrey is just that nice bloke from down the road. Okay. Um, I'm, I, don't think, uh, I don't think Jeffrey is going to be uh, as faring as well. I'm going to say Jeffrey is at a 3-3. Three, three. Wow. I thought I was bad at this game at times. This beer, with a 1,000 check-ins, has a rating of 4.41. A 1,000 check-ins? Yes. It is a killer beer, believe it or not, with all that shit thrown in. Hey, it's no different to a cocktail. You can throw in 30,000 elements. If you get the balance right, it's a banger. If you get it wrong, it's trash. In this case, well, they got it right. When, when you start throwing descriptions like Frankenbeer in or whatever the fuck they called it, it doesn't uh, <laughs> doesn't make me think it's you know they're killing it. But all right, yeah. So have you delved? Have you been forced? I should say in the past twelve months because we know how Andy was doing before that, forcing your way into the craft beer world. Has it been jamming it down your throat when you met up with him, or have you no, been able to resist fact- the charms of craft beer? <laughs> No, not at all. So I have had one beer probably in the last year, and it's uh, um, my wife actually bought it because when fall hits, she is very easily um, Punk- pumpkinified, uh, te- 
tempted, yes, by whatever seasonal favorites happen to hit up at Trader Joe's. So she did pick up a six-pack of pumpkin beer. And, uh, I mean, look, it's fine. Um, <clears throat> it tastes kind of pumpkin-y. Uh, I don't, uh, I'm not losing my mind for the pumpkin beer. Um, but that's the literally the only beer I've had in the past year. I'm pretty much off of beer and almost exclusively in <laughs> drinking straight hard liquor. So that's how things are going at my house. Well, you do have kids. I don't necessarily blame yeah. you. I think it's a good coping me- mechanism. Well, you, well, you know what it is, is uh, I think I just also got to a point, maybe it's because I, I just started sort of drinking cocktails and stuff like that. Like to actually get to the point where I've got like a buzz on from beers, I feel like I'd have to have a few beer. Like I'd be, I'd feel so like fucking bloated and, uh, you know, uh, really just kind of full by, by the time I got to a point where like I actually like had a good buzz going. I just beer. I can give you two Jeffries and you would have a serious buzz happening. I mean, they're 16 spend an evening with Jeffrey. Yeah, they're 16, 16 ounce cans. They're 11% no. alcohol. That's not that far All south right. of white wine. No, that's actually true. Yeah, I guess. Still, though, I'll probably just drink whiskey. And uh, <laughs> a couple of those, well, you can call me Jeffrey after a couple of those. I don't give a fuck. Uh, so the other thing we need to talk about is gambling. Not only sports gambling, because you're nailing your pick with the Phoenix Suns at the moment, 125 yeah. to 112 with a minute 42 to go, at least on the score that I'm seeing. But you yep. never know when it's being updated because we all know people that update those scores. They're interesting characters. They, oh, boy, do I know that. <laughs> uh, that, was a, that was a fun job for a while, and uh, I fucked up more than a couple. But... Uh, no, they're actually. It looks like they're gonna. They're gonna go ahead and win this game. There's only a minute thirty left. Uh, they're. They got a, a, a fifteen point lead. I, I might actually win this bet. I thought for sure this one was gonna be garbage. But so yeah. So I've I've. Outside of sports betting, which I'm doing better than normal this year on, uh, I'm not doing great. Uh, I I tried getting back into poker. Uh, those of you who know my 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 fucking origin story, remember I was uh, I was pretty big into poker uh, many many years ago, and then I kind of let it go. Now uh, we we should say the preeminent poker commentator of your era. That was you could say that. Well, that was scouted via a podcast at least. And, well, and uh, and also who would work for the money that they paid. <laughs> That's um, true. Yes. There was nobody better uh, at uh, at that price point than me. Um, so yeah, so I uh, I got back in. I decided to go play in in a cash game, one two no limit game, uh, and I was it's just a, it was annoying. And part of it was me. I was playing really nitty. I was playing way too tight. I I laid down the best hand at least twice. I know I laid down the best hand. Um, so I, I played poorly, but it's also it reminded me uh, of the frustrating part of poker, yep. which is you could just fucking sit there forever. You know what I mean? You know, you, you buy in for a couple hundred or whatever, and you know you sit there for three, four hours, and maybe you're up sixty, maybe you're down sixty, like whatever. And just like I feel like nothing's happening. 
You, know, you got to hope that that you know the right cards hit you at the right moment, and you can drag a huge pot. But other than that, you're just it just drips and drabs in and out, and it was very frustrating. Well, um, in that case, I think you actually need to get back to your real roots, which is internet poker. I do have <laughs> a standing game of a Monday. It's three hours, uh, and there's no nits in the game. Well, there is one nit. I. Can, did you want to take a guess at who it is? You, you do know. No, who. I don't. I'm sure I do. I'm not going to get involved in your uh, in He's your weird Vegas poker feuds. Or local, I should say, not native. Local. <laughs> I, I have a feeling I know who you're talking about. Yes. Yeah, but it's not um, oh well, then I uh, I'm lost. Oh, <laughs> I think I do know who it is. It's fine. I don't need. We we won't discuss it. But uh, I, uh, I I have to. I mean, I don't know. Is, and it's cash? You guys play cash or a turn? Yep. No, we play a tawny just to, to, just a turbo to start, and then we get into um, cash games. Um, and it can be anything from um, No Limit Hold'em, Omaha, um, ROE. We we play around with the games. Short deck. Short deck's fun. It makes um, Y2K super mad. Mm. Uh, I, I don't know. I might, I might check it out. If you do like a, I mean, like if you ever have like a celebrity tournament, I guess I'd pop in for that one. <laughs> okay. Uh, so it will be Patch, uh, myself and you. <laughs> oh, and perhaps, uh, perhaps Brad, because he's on national TV. He's under a, a basketball basket on nationally televised yeah, games for Isla. I would say that he's actually probably realistically the most famous of any of us, but uh, really? he definitely has more TV time than, uh, than, uh, than I ever had. I was actually um, thinking Patch because he is the world's number one shark expert. Oh, yeah. Let's not forget about that. Uh, but uh, I do play a fair amount of blackjack with Griff. We actually went out uh, to celebrate his wife's birthday just this past weekend. And while the girls were listening to some music at the bar, he and I popped into the uh, plaza, I think, to play some blackjack and just got absolutely fucked. <laughs> So hard. Like, it wasn't even, we like we didn't almost win. We didn't, uh, you know, we weren't up for a little bit and then started losing. Just, you know, lost my buy-in, uh, bought in again, lost that buy-in, went to the ATM because now I'm, now I'm steaming, <sighs> lost that, and then that's where we, that's where I had to stop uh, for the evening. But it's, uh, yeah, I mean... I, I do like how quick that that's when you miss playing poker, right? Yep. I'm like, well, this never would have happened in 15 minutes of poker playing. Oh. Uh, that's not true. Yeah, you get into the wrong hand. You can go broke pretty quick in that too. Yeah, but when, uh, when Patch yeah, it's just, decides it, to buy in for two bills because he he is steaming for real, and then yeah, yeah, he uh, tends to get aggressive and try and bluff every pot. Yeah, it, it can get messy for the whole table. <laughs> So anyway, so I, I that that's that's pretty much most of my uh, my gambling, sports betting, and some blackjack, and some. I poker. might I might I might go back and, and do another round of poker and actually try and play properly this time, but no promises. Well, okay, it's been a long time since you've probably been in a poker room. Has the game at that level changed at all? Because I know at the top level it's dramatically different to what you used to. Sure. Um, waffle about for a couple of hours a week on my sports radio has has the game at the one two no limit level changed at all is it looser than what it was is it 
tighter than what it was? Is, is it the same craziest that were a part of it? Well, it, it's weird because so the poker bubble has sort of burst, right? Well so there's not poker at every yeah, uh, there's not poker at every casino anymore. But the handful that have like you know decided to stick with it, it you know huge numbers. So the South Point, which is close to my house, that's where I I would normally play. They actually doubled the size of their poker room. So they took advantage of the fact that all, all of the other poker rooms at like the Green Valley Ranch closed, the M closed, everywhere else that's kind of in the general vicinity um, closed. And so they're like, fuck it, then we'll be the poker place for this side of town. And they're, you know, they're, they're killing it. So it really depends on like the table. You got like the old school, you go during the week, you definitely have like the old school grinders, guys like, you know, retired dudes. That are just, you know, just you can't you can't pull a nickel out of them. <laughs> uh, but yeah, if you go on the weekend, you will you will get like you know whatever these young guns that that you know think uh, you know think that they just need to fire bullets at every single pot and, and see what happens, and that that's frustrating. Um, but I mean, but they're not good. They're not good players. So if you know if you can. Pick them off. If you're not me, and you you, you can have a little bit of uh you know of uh, of skill, you can make some good money off of off those those kinds of people. Yeah, true. It's good to see that it hasn't really changed because that's always been the case. It's always been the young guys coming to the sport. What how they think they're going to break the game is perhaps different to back when when we were sort of getting into poker. Um, and the math is different, but the, the idea is the same: that they have a higher opinion of their math skill than they actually they actually do, and they're they're reasonably right. easy to pick off. If yeah, you, exactly. If yeah, you, if you stay disciplined, which I can't. No, yeah, that's the problem. <laughs> it's a big if. It is a big if. Anything else that you want to cover on today's show, my good sir? I'm going to say this, and this is probably foolish of me to bring up, but Ooh. I'm going to say you and I have had a couple of conversations, Uh-oh. and there's a chance. I'm not promising anything, Uh-oh. but there's a chance that you could get uh, your Brian Malika fix on a more regular basis in the coming year. Stay tuned. I think I, I think we're uh, I think we're headed in that direction, and I I will announce it here on the Beer Engine Podcast <laughs> first. <laughs> guys get the exclusive i feel like this is our gabbo 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 moment <laughs> i'm sorry this is a beer engine show we have to bring up some reference from the first 10 seasons of the simpsons in every episode sure it's kind of out sure there. all the kids in springfields are sobs <laughs> um no so yeah i I'll, i'm gonna leave it there i don't want to get too far yep. into it we haven't uh we haven't uh fleshed anything out but no nope. I think uh, I think you may you may you may start hearing me uh, again. Anybody who who cared who cares about that? It's uh, it looks like we might be headed in that direction. See, I got excited for a second. I thought you were going to be announcing an OnlyFans page, but oh well. Oh, there would only be one subscriber, Mrs. Sadie Breeze, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> it would get a little bit randy, uh, but that's it. <laughs> Oh, the one thing I did want to discuss with you is you're famous for dabbling in a form of social media on a phone where you had to use the old-fashioned nine digits to to oh, add the characters. Yeah. Let's talk about Fuck Twitter. Yeah. 
let's talk about Twitter <laughs> and its current state. How do you think yeah. Elon is doing, both as a human being and as the chief ideas man for Twitter? I mean, so I'm, I'm not on Twitter a bunch uh, anymore, but uh, he doesn't, he's another guy that's just like, uh, he likes to double down. You know what I mean? Yep. Things aren't going well, so he fucking doubles down. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Ooh. I don't. Uh, I don't. I don't know that. I don't know that he's doing wonderfully. I don't know that he. I don't know that he feels like he's doing great. Um, I think he might have bit off a little more than he could chew. But we'll see. I do love this idea that you could just pay eight dollars and get a blue check mark. Who the fuck cares? <laughs> well, that point. The most fun thing, though, was him stating that, that comedy's back at Twitter and then yeah, yeah. within an hour somebody impersonates him, that person, banned. Shut down. Yeah. 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 It's, uh, and, then, and then, of course, everybody did it. Like, it's hilarious. It turns out that's all it takes to Mr. Freedom of Speech. Is, uh, that's, where it, that's where it ends for him. It's always the way with these freedom of speech warriors. That thing that made you cough is, is making me burp. Must be contagious. Oh, that's great! It's quite a quite a quite a closing to the show we're doing. Well, shouldn't we go out with a whimper? It's kind of our thing, is to go out in a really <laughs> odd, weird, stilted way. I can do that. Sure, you got it. Okay, so if people wanted to find you, where can they find you? They can't. Just don't look for me. That's that's the point. Is don't look for me. Maybe in the new year, I'll come find you. Okay, that's that's the big announcements. <laughs> Now, if people are looking for real estate in Las Vegas, who would you recommend? Uh, no clearly, uh, <laughs> at Mofobes, the guy's good. <laughs> Kid's good. Uh, yeah, listen, if you, if, you, if you really want real estate, you can call me, but I'm not going to work that hard. Uh, <laughs> that is my promise. That's my slogan. Uh, it's on my sign. Listen, I'm not going to work that hard. But... Uh, I'll answer my phone, which is more than a lot of agents do. I'll answer my phone. I'm just not going to work that hard. Thank you. That's my ad, my, my pitch. That, my friends, with me and my good buddy. I'm not even going to say our, uh, our names. You know our podcast. You know where to find us. If this is your first time listening, well, you found us some way. I'm sure you'll find our email address and our Ko-Fi address so you can donate to us. Goodbye. That was pretty, that was very mysterious. I liked it. I know. I'm nothing if not mysterious. Well, creepy is the other <laughs> thing I am. <laughs>